0: Burrow fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. And takes it all the
1: way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor touchdown. Pass is caught. Digs touchdown. Diving further into the road of his rookie guide and looking ahead to the NFL draft, that is the topic of conversation today on Road of His Overtime. We did a show that came out on Tuesday where we talked through one running back profile in particular that sean is very intrigued by heading into this draft we talked a little bit through the the guide itself and the the process around that we will talk a little bit more about that today we'll also jump into a wide receiver profile that is high on sean's interest but sean we are you know at this point just over a week away from the nfl combine things you know the, the nfl calendar has always been you know there there used to be some dead zones in it but now then when it comes into fantasy football with the explosion of best ball there's there's no downtime in that but the nfl in general they just control the entire sports calendar at this point where they've moved things around and shuffled things around that you know once that super bowl is over you do not have much time to we're into the combine then into pro days then into the draft then into the rookie mini camps it just continues that cycle so we are very close to the combine They class in general i guess a, a class overview you didn't mention that that you know with the running backs there is not probably that high high elite end profile that we would have seen with the likes of a jonathan taylor and in past years or a christian mccaffrey coming in in the nfl draft but there is a lot of intriguing in players but this class in general how are you feeling about it as we sit here before that testing and the testing results that will come with the the nfl combine i think that this is setting up to be one of the
2: most fun classes and possibly one of the most exploitable classes now some of these things are going to resolve themselves as we work through right we're going to find out you know which players have the athleticism to back up their production and you know one of the things as you look at the nfl combine is you don't want to overemphasize it. There are certain things that are already baked in to where these guys are going to go and certain assumptions about what the player is. And if a guy who is hugely productive and is expected to test well, test well, you don't want to double count that. And yet this idea that we also want to completely ignore the combine doesn't really work because when you do have players who upset expectations it's going to and potentially dramatically but it's certainly going to shift where they're taken the nfl wants athletes i don't think that there's anything you know counterintuitive about that we're talking about the highest level of football and professional sports are going to be an athletic endeavor and there will be advantages for the best athletes now it's a production game and the best players in college universally or i should say overwhelmingly become the best players in the NFL because this is a production business, right? And yet if the combine changes the perception of a player and changes his draft slot, then even if you then test later and find that draft slot plus athleticism, that the athleticism part was not the thing that determined once you've changed the draft slot, I mean, that's a very meaningful difference in the input. So this combine is going to be very important from that perspective. And yet, One of the things that's so fun about putting together a pre-combine piece, and we usually have a little bit more separation, but I love being able to do a pre-combine piece and establish where we think the guys are because that does give you then a baseline for understanding how things are going to move. And having that baseline is important because even, you know, once players do surprise and you do move them, you want to move them within a range that makes sense based on who they were and what that production was. So, the draft guy gives us a great chance to calibrate our initial expectations. And Colin, one of the things that is so fun here, we talked a little bit in the first show this week about how we put this together, but we have so much information in here from Sports Info Solutions. We have so much info in here from our Rotoviz tools. I wrote the synopsis for each of the players. There are a lot of wide receivers. We have Blair's wide receiver prospect lab scores. Curtis pulled together the top five profile sims from our box score scout, the box score scout, a really wonderful tool for helping you again, understand a player's production and then calibrate your expectations based on historical context, understanding who these guys are. But the exercise that I tried to produce in the guide was to help me understand who the player was from a variety of perspectives and that player's path through the NFL. Because one of the things that we know is that production dominates and early production is especially strong in terms of a signal for what the player is going to be when they make the next step. But for so many of the players in this class, they were still dealing with this element of coming into college and then you have this weird pandemic season. And so the difference between three-year players and four-year players this year, maybe it's not quite the same as it's been in the past. We want to work through that and understand the trajectory that these guys had coming through college. The blurbs give me a chance to paint a little bit of that picture. The other thing that we're looking at here is just, again, to try and understand from a lot of different angles. So things that we talk about in the guide would be elements like the number of routes that a player has run. Obviously, you're looking at targets and yards and touchdowns. We can look at it from the perspective of the yards per team attempt, something that we have in the box score scout, we can look at it in terms of yards per route. We can look at the ability of a player to break tackles and force missed tackles once they had the ball in their hands. We can look at the depth of target to understand how these guys were utilized. I mean, some of these players are extreme underneath guys, and then some of the players are at the opposite of the spectrum. They're getting targeted really far downfield. We get different profiles with those types of things. We can also look at this contrast between say yards per team attempt or yards per route run and dominator rating and one of the things that i'm especially looking for as we move forward are players who flash in a certain element and not being overly concerned about what the element is because anybody who puts out a really high number in these different pieces is something we want to keep an eye on we know that over the past five six seven years there are a lot of guys who flashed and say yards per route and went on to be NFL stars. We think back to last season where there are some guys like a Zay flowers, like a an Jordan Addison, where those numbers don't pop, but what they did in terms of dominator rating and especially early in their career. So we get the sort of young breakout guys and, you know, Blair has done so much work with this dominator rating stat and how it works with the breakout age component And again, continue to find that that metric is so valuable for us in understanding when these guys actually broke out and what that means as we work through it. So I think that being able to have all of those different elements together is really helpful. And again, we don't want to get like so much tunnel vision that we don't understand what a player has been able to do and where he was able to be a star it was just so much fun to put this together and Colin, i mentioned that this class could be one that's easy to exploit it's really interesting because wide receiver is where the depth of this class happens to be and yet when you work through the guys there are some huge differences between projected draft slot in the 2024 draft And what the metrics suggest to us about where they should go. And so some of the players who have been really elevated by maybe other types of intangibles, we want to be aware that they have some red flags. We want to understand that maybe that elevation is justified or at least justified to an extent. Right. But without spoiling all of the specifics, there are some big names That come in with very low wide receiver prospect lab scores. And when you're trying to make excuses for them, and that's kind of what I do in the blurbs, right? I'm trying to understand why this player would be interesting and where maybe he does stand out, even if the overall wide receiver prospect score lab is bad, even if his sims are bad. Why are people interested? That piece of the puzzle for me is a lot of fun. And I do find some elements there at times that create that explanation beyond just, Oh, this guy's awesome. Right. I mean, we all listen to the different things where the film will give you a guy who's dynamic. But the thing that we always know and have known from the beginning is that, yeah, if that's the case, why is the production not there? Because that dynamism will again be on display at the NFL level, but with production that doesn't match it. And so if you're trying to win fantasy football leagues, it doesn't matter how cool the guy looks and the highlight plays. It matters that he puts up the numbers for you so you win your league.
1: You mentioned there, Sean, the some of the players maybe that there might be more potential buzz or talk around that come in with lower lab scores in terms of the prospect lab. Where, in terms of, is it always a case for you of Marion the different pieces of the information together to make that final decision or is there a weight that you put more so towards either that production or the lab score or the testing metrics or is it just bringing that combination together for that player in general
2: well the production and the lab score are going to be very tightly linked and so you can have a lot of confidence that the lab score is giving you the overall production one of the things that I am looking at here is this idea that the players are different. And so if you have, and the context are different. So if you have a guy who's competing with several other NFL prospects, we're going to look at his production in a slightly different light. And if there are individual metrics that jump out and suggest, yeah, this guy probably is really good. We want to take his draft slot pretty seriously. We want to, understand at least to an extent how injuries might have come into play we want to understand again that team situation maybe the quarterback is a disaster and is pulling down some of the numbers if there's a situation where we have a guy who put up big numbers as a senior or in his final year and then he blows up the combine and then he's drafted early you want to understand that those three things are going to be meaningful even if the overall resume isn't particularly good so then it's a matter of what's the price because we want to be aware of what we're actually paying and if the rest of the dynasty community is like yeah but there are warts i don't want him. we're going to push him down then you're going to take that guy even though you also understand what the warts are if the rest of the fantasy community is like "Well, this dude is big and athletic and was drafted say number 28 overall you got to be in and he's pushed way up then you're fine letting someone else grab him, even though you also understand that there is upside there. So we're going to be very price aware as we move through this entire process. And we're trying to get as much total value as we can. That was one of the things that worked out very nicely for us in 2023, where our second round, the main targets were Sam Laporta and Rasheed Rice. It's not that those prospect profiles were you know completely and totally without fault, but the situation, the early reports, the team fit, and then the price that you had to pay to get them really worked out very nicely to load up. And then you obviously have the fortunate thing happen to where those guys, especially Laporta, is hitting at you know a 99th percentile outcome. Rice develops very nicely and is going to hit you know well above. A 50th percentile outcome for him certainly if he continues to develop so you put this all together to skew the possible results slightly in your favor and then when you hit you benefit even more so we're looking for that to be the dynamic that we look at overall but colin the other little thing there and sort of answer to your question is that i am always trying to be aware of this subtle difference, I think, between the big receivers and the small receivers, and that they're going to be asked to do some different things. And that those things often manifest in a different way at the collegiate level as well, to where when you have the big guys who test well, and they had a strong final season, I'm more or less fine with that. Whereas with the smaller guys, you especially want that early breakout age. And maybe at the college level, they're not able to generate like the very, very, very top numbers, but if they broke out early, and the overall view of that guy is still positive those guys can be punished a little bit because they don't take the next step they don't go on to be an absolute superstar people forget about them a little bit they underrate the value of that freshman season or if it's a young sophomore season that type a performance from the player and that kind of leads us column into the guy that we're going to look at today in giving a little bit of a preview or a teaser from the guide
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: so the guy sean you have picked out to highlight is xavier worthy in terms of the overall metrics and i'm going to let sean read through his synopsis itself the prospect lab showing him with a 68 score and a profile sim hit rate of 60 percent which i think is interesting but this is a player sean who comes in with a couple of very interesting sims particularly with what we've seen this this season and also green bay connections to, to some of these players so we have josh downs randall cobb Jaden Reed, Deontay Johnson, and Sean, OGs of the podcast will know. It didn't. He is not one of the hit rate players here that we're talking about. But KJ Hamler is on the list. Unfortunately, Did KJ Hamler injuries, play
2: in the NFL last year, Colin?
1: Injuries have got the best of uh, KJ Hamler, Sean. It, it wasn't to be, but Marvin mems has now taken over from the the hopes and dreams that KJ Hamler uh, managers had. But, Sean, Xavier Worthy comes up here. What are some of your thoughts on him? And I guess you, you did mention this on the running back show in terms of comparing the running backs and their scores, but who are some of the names? Like 67, where are you seeing that in terms of overall expectations for a player? And then what are some of the, the higher-end players, maybe when we're talking about you know a Calvin Johnson, for example, or Julio Jones, where are they coming in on the scoring system here?
2: yeah well they're going to be setting the standard so you're going to be talking about 95 plus from them the consensus right now is that we have the three star prospects in this draft and then we have a lot of controversial names behind them and it's sort of an eye of the beholder but with depth i don't know if we have as much depth as people want to attribute to this class but that's going to be something that develops throughout the course of draft season how do these guys look at the combine as the true nfl evaluators dig into them you know where are they going to end up being drafted that draft slot is going to matter and will help some guys out even if the prospect lab score suggests that maybe they're overdrafted by a round or two but when we think about these top guys i think the guy gives you a sense of maybe where that part is exploitable maybe some readers will be surprised about the ordering of the prospects here at the top of the wide receiver leaderboard but as we move down a little bit this score from worthy gives you a little bit of a sense of some of the red flags where it's certainly not a great score but it's a score in the range where the player is still very viable if you like a lot of the other elements it's a lot higher than the score for players who are expected to go ahead of xavier worthy right so that's something that we want to be aware of as well how does he fit in relation to that blair andrews Loves Worthy and it's going to have a lot of additional information for you on him as we kind of go through the draft process. Keep an eye out on that from Blair. But one of the things that, you know, Debbie managers for sure and draft Knicks as well will tell you about Worthy, will have been aware of for a long time is that Worthy came in and had this massive freshman year in 2021 where he went for 981 and 12 scores. Travis May at the time wrote an article for us talking about how this was the best freshman season of all time. Colin he ran only 337 routes that year which gave him a yard per route run of 2.9. It gave him a dominator of 39% as a true freshman. So we're talking about very rare air. Now, what happened and the reason you're not having Xavier worthy talked about as a pick in the range of again these top 3 guys why he falls below quite a few prospects on some people's boards is that he wasn't able to take the next step. His 2022 campaign featured over 1900 air yards. But there were you know some questions about the quarterback play from their star recruit who the next year leads them to the CFB semifinals. But a lot of this is unworthy. He's got a 14% a 13.5% drop rate, which is way, way too high. And we know what happens to receivers who go out there and drop a ton of passes. That can be a big problem. And your quarterback can get to the point where, I mean, if you're targeting Quentin Johnston this last year and he's dropping some of these game-winning passes, as you drop back, you're thinking to yourself, can I find somebody else who maybe (laughs) is going to haul this ball in? You look to 2023, and one of the elements that we have for Worthy is that he's got a tight end teammate, he's got a wide receiver teammate. Both of these guys could end up going higher than he does. We have Texas as a juggernaut offense. They've got a running back who's perhaps the top running back prospect. You have an overall team here with a lot of success, and that success is chopped up to an extent. Adonai Mitchell comes in. He takes over the deep role in this last year. Worthy goes to an underneath role. He has a 9.8 ADOT, so we're talking about Not being targeted nearly as far down the field as he was in 22 2. One of the things that I like about this is that you could argue, well, he's failed in some of the roles, but I do like how the player has been used in a variety of ways. And I think that that flexibility, even if there are questions about how well he can execute on some of the different routes, I love that flexibility as you go forward. I think if you end up in the right situation with the right play caller, the right quarterback, that this gives you a chance to do so many different things at the NFL level. But we look at what he did. The drops don't completely disappear. He drops five more passes, but he leads the team with 421 routes, 120 targets. He forces nine missed tackles, which gives you a little bit of sense of the elusiveness. You want to see that from a small wide receiver. If you're not going to be, you know – medium-sized or certainly this hulking behemoth who overmatches corners you need to have that agility you need to be able to do things with the ball in your hands you think back to zay flowers and his you know very impressive rookie season where guys just couldn't stay with him they couldn't stay in front of him they could do it before he had the ball allowing him to get open at will They couldn't do it after he had the ball those are things that are very positive and that we can see at least to an extent in worthy's profile so we work through him. He's one of these controversial guys, a player with a lot of interesting things in his past, a lot of interesting things in terms of context for the three seasons that he has. You mentioned some of these Sims who you know have a lot of upside, but you're thinking about the different style of player, and maybe there's a little bit of risk. We talked about Blair's lab score, kind of where that fits in. Worthy is somebody I'm going to be tracking throughout the process, in part because, you know, I do have some Debbie shares as you kind of load up when he does some of those things early, but also as someone who could be a value play, depending on how this whole draft season pans out. He's a name I think you want to keep an eye on. Maybe there's nothing there in the end. We want to be careful to not get too high too early or to think back and say, You know, you did what you did in 2021. I'm all in on that. I'm going to ignore every subsequent element. there There are traps to feeling too sure or too confident or just be like, well, this guy's a sleeper, you know, within context. And I want to be in on that type of player. I want to have the next league winner. It's too early to be saying those types of things. But I think Xavier Worthy is interesting. And I think so many of these guys as you work through the blurbs on these players, the profiles, the lab scores, the Sims, it's just a very interesting exercise that prepares you then for the next step of tracking what happens with the combine, tracking what happens with the, you know, the leaks that we get for NFL GM evaluations, and then getting to the real draft, finding where the guys go, what their situation is going to be. Colin, we're set up for you know a couple months here of maybe the most fun exciting time in the fantasy football calendar
1: sean it's always the most exciting time of the year that, that line can be used any week of the calendar year any week of the nfl season any week of the draft season it's always exciting the draft guide itself features 98 player profiles has rankings and tiers mock drafts sleepers and more sean kind of detailed the times of the NFL season here as we move forward, but we do get the pre-draft edition that will be available this week. We get the combine, post-combine edition that will be available, and then the post-NFL draft edition also. So you're covered with all of that. Nineteen ninety-nine gets you all three editions. So a link in today's show notes if you want to head on over and purchase that. Sean, we are also in the process of having the off-season schedule, so there'll be lots of conversation around the prospects. There'll be lots of Draft tips, strategy tips. But what I did look for on Monday was people's questions, topics, ideas that the RotoViz OT community would like to hear on some of the RotoViz overtime shows over the course of the next couple of months. So if you didn't get to hear that and you're hearing this now and you have some questions, we've got some submitted already. We can't promise that we will use them on shows, but we will try and fit them in if the topic would work well. Send them my way on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. You can email them across at rotavizradio at gmail.com. We always look for the, the insights from the community to you know fit into those shows. So Sean's excited for the prospects. I'm excited for the NFL draft and everything that goes along with it. Excited to get the interaction with the road of biz OT listeners as well. But that is going to do it for this edition of the show. As always, make sure you are subscribed to the road of biz Overtime podcast feed to get shows once they are available. But until we are back, my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at OverTomarlin. Check out Sean's work up on rotaviz.com. And until next time, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime and Roadoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Roadiviz Radio Podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter at Rhodeviz Radio. And remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rhodeviz with a discount through the Rhodeviz Radio homepage, rotaviz.com forward slash podcast.